What's up, y'all? This is Lee from Pop Evil, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with my main man, Brando. Turn it up, and let's rock. You know where you are. is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 263. My name is Brando. Thanks again for joining this Six Degrees of Genar Bacon-themed podcast and another radio life i'm so happy today to have lee kakati on the line because in in the past radio life lee i worked at a station that went from classic rock to active and i had the opportunity to play pop evil you know trenches boss's daughter and it was so fun for me to do that you know and it just fit in so well with some of my my classic rock heroes so so thank you it's uh i've wanted to talk to you for quite some time thanks for spending some time today I, lo- I love hearing that. Thanks for spinning all the records all those years ago and, and all the support and finally getting a chance to talk to you now, man. It's awesome. It's You're one of the few, you know, that's why I do like a GNR-themed podcast. I mean, in addition to, I just want to be different. You know, how many rock podcasts are there, uh, are out there? But it's kind of like, it for me and a lot of people, it's like, where is the newer rock? You know, that's why we, we long for nostalgia, but Pop Evil, and it's funny saying newer rock because you guys have been around for some time. This is going to be your sixth record coming out. So is it? Am I weird that you kind of sound like you're kind of like a new band, but you're still veterans of the scene? Or am I looking at it uh, with too much of a chemical imbalance? I think it's an interesting point, you know, because new bands, you know, in the days of Guns N' Roses, one or two big hits, and and you're 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 mainstream, you know. Where nowadays. Uh, big hits, big albums. You got to keep doing it longer because yeah. you know rock is just rock and metal are in a different place, you know, than some of these other genres as far as secular music goes. But you know, yeah, I, I think there's still you know as we've been along, uh, obviously a long time, been around a long time. But the reality is, there's still so many people who don't know us or don't know the band, so we're constantly having to you know keep working harder, man, and just just even though you know the uh, success is great, but but. When at the end of the day, you know, we get asked to a lot. You know, when 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 did you know you made it, or what's the first sign of success? And we don't right. really we don't really look at that. We don't really look at looking backwards and to, to the band. And I know I speak for the band members as well. Like, there's still a lot more that we want to accomplish, and a lot more things we want to experience. So, uh, again, so much work to still do. And uh, uh, obviously, the, the the years that we've done are important to us, and, and definitely build confidence and uh create some kind of longevity for our fan base but at the end of the day there's still there's still grind and you hear that on this new album i mean there's like always a sense of urgency every record and it's funny because when i was you know i got the press release and of course you know the, the news has been out for uh, new pop evil coming out uh may 21st versatile but what blew me away it's like oh wow that's their sixth record like these guys have been doing it for a while but it's that the sound and the singles that you put out it's still it sounds new it sounds new, but it sounds like classic pop evil. It sounds like just great rock and roll, but it sounds fresh. It sounds like 2021, if 2021 has a sound. I don't know if that's a good sound, but 
pop evil as it could sound. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, again, just just always trying to outdo our last records, and and like you said, stay 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 relative. It's tough. I mean, life's life's hard, and of course, we finished this record. We got hit with the pandemic, so you know, in some ways, I feel grateful that we were able to get the core of the writing done. So this whole pandemic, we could we could uh, relax a bit, work other jobs, you know, kind of figure out like, even though necessarily maybe we do need to work at different band members, different experiences, you know, but, but the reality was like, this was, this hit us hard that this could all be taken away from us. So being able to do other things was, uh, was refreshing, you know, and I think hopefully it'll recharge us when we get back to playing together and back to shows that, you know, it'll give us hopefully an appreciation of those things. Maybe we all take for granted. You know, I know from our perspective, the things we took for granted and, and, uh, you know, it's definitely something we miss is being back there, but this time was, was so important for our band to, to do other things, refresh, take your mind off because, you know, we played, usually we played between 150, 200 shows a year, Mm -hmm. you know, since 07. So it, it definitely was a much needed break for our band and, uh, something that I think now we've had time to kind of reflect and take a step back. I know we're even more excited to get back out. And that's something that everyone in their own way has been taking the last year or so reflection and, and what has been taken away from us. Uh, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm able to do my job now from home. You know, I, I, I was in Q104.3 last week you know, I was able to go in studio sometimes, but for the most part, 90% of the time, I'm working at home. I'm very lucky. I was sent equipment. I know not everybody is like that. And the same thing, with, obviously, with bands. And that's why you know, it's so important not just to think about the bands themselves, but all the people that contribute to the live shows, you know, all the, the, the team. that, that, that So it's what also and it was interesting and i'm glad that this kind of this article came out or this interview that you did came out of, uh, before we spoke because i i'm always very upfront about what i do i mean this podcast is a passion project i'm very lucky i have a real radio job on top of that yeah. i have a third job if you want to call it that that i've been doing for like 10 years you ever hear like that, like you call your credit card company and you hear that recording that goes this phone call may be monitored for quality, uh, quality assurance yeah, right, right. I work for a company that does that. Not like the recording, but oh. I, li- I listen to calls. So I've been doing that to supplement my radio career. Sure, so sure. I was, because fa- you just touched on it now, I was very, uh, it goes to your blue collar nature. And I was, I don't know, it was, I don't know, proud as a way is the right word because I'm just meeting you. It doesn't matter if I, you know, do you care if I'm proud of you, but you had to talk about re- getting regular jobs during this pandemic. Can you talk about that a little more? Because yeah, you you had it's it's it, I think it's it's what people don't realize these musicians that are just uh you know what the, the, their identity is, is taken away and like it's 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 very hard it's so much it's I don't know I, I I'm going off on a tangent I just want to know more about what you have to say about you know uh, yeah I was I was actually it, it's funny you know because sometimes doing interviews you, you're just you're you're especially now with these videos look I can see you it, it's so much more personal that you, the I can't stand the interviews that are so stopped, you know, because the reality is you guys are working hard to put out content. This whole world now is about content. I know, you know, right? People are fans are smarter than they've ever been. Right. They don't just want the fake news, so to speak, for, for lack of a better word. They want to be they want to understand, you know, what their modern day rock star 
is what right. they do you know like what does that mean you know like in in the heyday of guns and roses the, the modern day rock star was basically pop stars you know what i mean you had pop star money you made that kind of you could live that kind of a lifestyle now the modern day rock star cannot you know for the majority of us even with success pop evil is very much a band that we go month to month to month to keep again it's not just about me or the band members we have a whole team of people that right. you know feed off the the entity pop evil so you know um again from from even the early stages we're putting out merchandise that would bring in more money for our crew to educate fans. and again it was great the fans were amazing you know that they, they they stepped up and, and supported when they could and even like you said the fans are struggling as well you know but to understand that our crew wasn't able to work blah 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 and and then putting putting their hard-earned dollars into our band to donate to them it it, it, it really taught us a, a lesson on the human element of right. what this all is you know re, i mean look on paper yeah it's cool we're in a rock band we tour the world and get to play in front of all these people hit songs but the reality about it all when COVID hit is that this is a people business you know like this is about us now now it a lot of times again people don't always understand i know our family it took them years to understand that when we are on the road family is almost second in some ways right we have a show hey i gotta call you after the show i gotta put on a show right you know there's so many elements where our families get put second and put on the shelf for a minute so we can do our job right and they support us to the cars come home. They love us unconditionally. They, they, they take care of those little small things that they can do for um, our personal lives behind the scenes while we're gone for months on end. So, you know, when COVID hit, it was a reminder that like, wow, it's time now to give back to them and all those people that have been around the, 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 the underbelly of pop evil waiting for us to be there. It was, uh, it was refreshing to be able to give them all the time, you know, we could, but then after, you know, two or three months uh, hit out, we, we were all kind of, I think in hopes that, you know, maybe we'd be back by spring. I know we had a spring tour set up last year and then, you know, maybe there was hope that, okay, summer, but right around summertime, it became evident that this was going to go on for a year. And at that point, you know, it was like, not only was it a financial thing that, you know, different people need different, you know, have different kinds of bills and responsibilities that they want to take care of. And then majority of it too, and wasn't just financial. I think the big thing for us was like, what are we we're bored, bored out of our minds. Like we don't want to just sit around. Yeah. I'd rather be working and just being around people, you know, being around someone. And, and, and I always had this joke with a couple of my buddies. I go, you know, it would be awesome to just go work at Starbucks with no stress. Like I don't got to bring that job home. Mm. I can just stay up there with some buddies and drink some lattes. It was just hilarious. And then we thought, you know, wouldn't that be just some amazing content, some lead singers of bands, you know, or love that, right. you know, shows them in the real world doing real things. You know, I always love that. You know, I'm an NBA guy. I'm a sports guy. And whenever you see LeBron, some pizza or some of these like sports figures in the real world, it really is a connection that reminds you that, yeah, these guys have blessed lives in so many ways, but at the end of the day, they're people too. And that yeah. human element is what I wanted to get across on these, on these, uh, on these interviews rather than people are like, Oh yeah, you've been writing. I'm like, no, I've been writing. I've been trying to just live, man. I'm trying to get by. <laughs> like my album's done. Like I'm going to wait till it's time to go write again and then write for real. Cause even the writing I do now, and, and, and the re I have been writing, but, but again, once we get into writing the next, the seventh album, all those writings might go out the window and you start fresh. You just kind of close your eyes and see where your life is, see where your, your mind is, see what your energy, your emotions are that you've been carrying when that moment is when you write. So 
knowing that, and again, I like to think I've gotten a little smarter over the years with this, with this business that, that when it's time to rest and it's time to enjoy the, the your family, especially it's time to just suck that all in. It's time to get a real job and, and start working on some of your other adventure, other ventures that when this career does come to an end, you're not so intimidated to come back in the real world. It was, I, I think that was a big thing for our band members, especially again, they can speak for themselves, but from talking to them, I think that they, they hinted to me that like, it's not as scary now to not tour for two or three months, you know, because the, the thing is you can't, you can't oversaturate these markets, right? We don't want to keep, we don't want to keep playing the same markets all the time over and over and mm-hmm. over. I mean, especially via COVID. I mean, it's just, it's not just about bands, but promoters, the venues, you know, we want to make it is, is win-win for everyone. So when we do come back, people are making the right money necessary where we can continue to give back to our, 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 our normal, I should say quicker, you know? And I think that understanding that from all sides, whether it's your family, whether it's your band members, whether it's your crew, whether it's your team. And of course, whether you, what, what your fans are dealing with, it's important then to, to, to have a healthy, you know, hopefully, you know, your depression and, and all those things that are negative in your mind, you can kind of just get those things uh, to a comfortable place where you can actually relax and enjoy this, this, this off time. Cause when we do come back to COVID, I mean, what, when was the last pandemic 1912 or whenever it was, I mean, <laughs> right. hopefully it's a lot longer when we ever have to go through anything like this again. But once we come back, you know, we hope that we're going to have to make up for lost time in a lot of ways. So it's going to be a grind. It's going to be even more grueling to try to just emotionally, right. Trying to make up all oh, we didn't play for that year. We lost that uh, whole year with what, whether it was, whether it was your finance or whether it was your touring experience, you know, where, where you got to kind of flip it and, uh, you know, getting real jobs was just one element of trying to, uh, put our focus elsewhere and, and try to be positive and, and try to learn, you know, uh, trying to learn how to deal with the cards we've been dealt, you know? That's why it's important. Like you, you use the phrase, the, the human element, uh, human element. Right. And, and that's why I, I present myself the way I am and, and how, why I identify other than just like the, you know, your voice and the, and the riffs and everything, just like being a badass right. rock band is the human element. So that's, that that's great. And I think hopefully everybody has been using this horrendous time to do the same thing. So you mentioned before you had some of the new album done prior to this. So how much of it changed for you, I guess, writing with this new perspective? You know, did it, did you kind of have to scrap what you did before or did you just work, you know, or did you just add to it? I guess what was the process from, okay, here's going to be the sixth record and then, okay, here's a pandemic. Okay. Now what, what do I do with it? Like what, like how do I go from here? Yeah. It, it was, like, yeah, did the plans change, I guess? Well, it's a great question. You know, I think we spent the first year and a half like writing the, the album. So the album was pretty much done you know i mean as far as the final and different takes and the final mixes okay that was we were we were pretty much to the maybe one or two songs some recording issues that i was a little afraid of at the time i was like uh i only did those like one or two takes you know and if that that's not good i don't know the next time i'll be back in la because when quarantine hit we all wanted to go where families and friends were because again if we were going to be quarantined for a long period of time we wanted to be where our loved ones were. So, you know, with that being said, you know, the Mac, the, the, the mixing, the mastering stuff was all there. Uh, I know some producers had, you know, done, done what they could to, to, to just get it all dialed in, get the bulk. And, and literally that was part of what I wanted on this album. Anyways, I wanted it to be a lot of first, second, third takes. I didn't want to overthink this album. I wanted it to really capture the energy and harness a lot of that stuff that we do on stage. You know, that I think that sometimes when you go write these demos, 
uh, there's something that's lost when you have to go find one person to go record a whole album producer, you know, and then he has to go recut all this energy things you like about these demos, you know? So a big thing for me, this record was wherever the demo and that positive excitement was coming from, that's where we were going to finish the song. So, you know, this album led to a lot of different producers, not one produce such a singles business nowadays. It's all about the song or the stream. And I wasn't thinking about like, Oh, okay. We have to have every song sound like we're a part of the same band. I mean, part of the fun is, is, is where you go as a band, right? Like you go do an idea, you take it to the producer, you take it to your band and then they take it, they take you on another journey. Right. And then, then it gets, the, the song gets taken over here and then you get stretched and pulled. And by the time the song's done, you're like, wow, like this is really cool that now this song is a part of me for the rest of my life. And it, look at all these people that were involved and their influences that now have become a part of my influence. So I think that's the true um, excitement about this journey that I was trying to enjoy differently than the previous five albums, you know, cause they've always been so stressful and okay, we got to get this out and not, not so much about from a success standpoint, it's stressful. It's been just stressful because literally the minute we get them done, then we have to be right back on the road. So, you know, before we can actually really get to proper rehearsals and, and, and doing it, we already had big tours booked and whatnot. So we, we've always had to play catch up, I feel like, in my career and with Pop Evil to getting each step uh, respected and, and the right amount of attention put towards that step. So, like, for example, now, once COVID hit, we really took our time to, to mix and master it there was definitely some thought process when we were going to release stuff. Cause you know, when we were releasing, we knew the first single we had was work and people weren't working at the time when we <laughs> wanted to release this song. So it was definitely some discussion, but we went with our gut. We went with something. It was the most experimental song ever in the pop people in our career, in the pop people catalog and putting that out, showing our fan base that we weren't afraid to like, you know, take some chances. And I think that's the thing with that. I love about rock and metal is, your fans don't always like what you do, but for the most part, they, 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 they support rock and metal so much that they're willing to accept you for who you are as long as you don't abandon them. And then we wanted to reiterate the fact with our even releasing Chaos Rain at the same time, which is our heaviest song of all time, probably that, that, that we were, yeah, we were going to experiment and try something, but we're not forgetting our metal roots. You know, I mean, obviously we're very rooted in, in metal rock and alternative, uh, uh, guitars playing, you know, so whatever the riff is uh, in your opinion of that, we've always just been very much blue collar mentality influenced by real instrumentation, you know, like real guitars, live guitars, like, you know, put the amp up in, in, in your parents' garage, crank it to 11 and, and, you know, piss off the neighbors. I mean, that's just kind of how we grew up, you know, that's right kind of that. Michigan mentality. Right on. And speaking of growing up, I wanted to uh, bring this up because it was in an interview that I saw uh, with you as I was researching and it made me very happy. You were talking about the, the first two CDs you ever bought, talking about your yeah. roots. So you mentioned yeah. uh, two. One, you just said Guns N' Roses, so I want to clarify you know, what album that was. But the second one, which is also just as important, was Dude the Bartman. So right, that was your. You bought two albums. That that was the. It was so those are, are exactly that's exactly right. Are you still a Simpsons fan? Because I could have easily done a Simpsons podcast instead of a Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, you know what? Uh, now that since the touring in that, I mean, I was probably more so in in the in the early nineties, you know, sure. just because it was all we did. You know, now as we got older, uh, my attention focused to the music. You know, so I didn't I didn't get to. 
I, I know a lot about it, but I don't know if I know specifics the same way that, that I did back then, but it was, <laughs> it was everything to me back then. It was, and it shows kind of, you know, where a lot of the pop influence come, pop people influence comes like people that are listening and listen to our records that like, wow, like this music sometimes is all over the place. Like they'll go, Leo go from here. The band will go from here. Then they'll go, the, they'll go from this side to the complete left and then flip it all the way to the complete right of the spectrum. So you're exactly right. I mean, that's kind of the kind of guy I was, I was listening to, it was appetite for destruction. Cause again, the artwork was at that point, it was rebellious, right? You had that artwork, sure. and the, the, the drawing inside it with the chaosness, the girl, she had her panties down on her ankles. I mean, it was just being a young kid. You're like, what? Good God, I never <laughs> seen anything like this. You know, this is insane. You know, and of course with the uh, infusion of just the energy, you, all you had to do was just play it from the first track and you were just hooked on guns and roses. Who was it? You know? So I definitely was, uh, was right on, on pace with a majority of the world with that, with that record. And, and it was the first time that CDs were out. So I was just so fascinated, you know, and I remember that feeling when I opened that CD, the, the way it's kind of like, like if you're a baseball guard card guy or sports cards, like when yeah. you flip over the CD, you get that hologram or that silver kind of rainbow that glistens in your, I remember being so mesmerized by that when I was a kid. And then of course, do the Bart man came out. I was in love with that song. So I, again, I got it on CD. I don't know that I needed it on CD because all I listened to was do the Bart man about, 400 times a day so i didn't really <laughs> listen to anything else but right. uh, you know and, and again very similar to how i listen to music today I, I'm, I'm i'm always a hook and a song guy so when i actually like a song i'll listen to that song on repeat tell you know the family or my friends get so sick of it they're like can you stop listening to that song i'm like no no i love it i love it i gotta keep hearing it till i'm just sick of it so you know that's that's definitely some uh good feedback and how i was raised I don't know. Maybe we should get try to get a Lee on The Simpsons. I mean, if Axel has been on Scooby Doo and Looney Tunes, if you're still, you know, I know you're not as hardcore of a, as a, of a nerd as we used to be. Uh, but I well, I, I, I'm definitely a nerd in other ways. Okay, I, I haven't. I don't have as much time to watch the TV as I did. Fair enough. When, uh, when I do, it's usually Nat Geo, just because okay. that stuff. I, I like I like stuff that. Right uh, or you know what I've been watching? Yeah, I've been watching Nat Geo on stuff on Antarctica lately. Just, oh, that's I've cool. I've always wanted to go to Antarctica, so I'm like trying to like motivate. And I hate the cold because I'm from Michigan, right? So I, <laughs> last thing I want to do is go to another cold place. But I ha- I have to go to uh, Antarctica before I die. So I'm, I'm really and I'm I get seasick so bad. So I know I have to go by boat probably. So I'm kind <laughs> of like trying to watch it to prepare myself to be like, oh, it's so beautiful here. You got to go. You got to go. So I've been watching that a lot lately during, uh, during COVID. And then of course sports, I'm a big, I'm a big sports guy. Who, since you're from Detroit, is it the, mm-hmm. what I would think Pistons, uh, Lions, Tigers, and yeah, you'd be surprised. I'm normally, of course I'm everything Detroit, but they've been bad for so long that if you just ride out their Detroit love, you just go mad, you go crazy. So you've had to find, you know, I've been watching, I'm a big Lakers guy at the moment. You okay. know, I like uh, LeBron AD. I like uh, Tatis. I'm a Padres fan at the moment. I kind of like those underdog teams that like Detroit that don't get the success, you know, and to be honest, you know, it was, it was awesome seeing, I don't normally go for Brady just cause he's won so much, but watching him kind of do that with Tampa Bay and kind of run the gamut. I, I'm a big I'm a big supporter of living through some of the greatest talent. You know, it's so cool to be able to see a guy like Brady. I, I think, and he was, went to Michigan, you know, so I don't think right. I ever really appreciated him until my later years, you know, because obviously New England was winning everything. So I wasn't a big New England fan. So, you know, I, I like seeing the underdog hey, do their thing. But, they um, they didn't know. win against my Giants. That's what I, I that I was love to see the Giants. I'd love to see the Giants win. A lot of people at the label, a lot of a lot of New York uh, history for me. I, the Giants are due. You know, it'd be cool to see them win. The Knicks are due. That's my basketball team. The Knicks are due. They you know, well, I want to see that Zion trade. I want to see that Zion trade. Right. Everyone's talking about lately. Right. You know, end up in New York. 
That'd be sick. It would be something. I I, I usually complain because I'm a, I'm also a big hockey guy. Uh, yeah. That the Islanders, the last time they won anything was when I was born in '83. Yeah. You know, the, the the Yankees who have gotten me through just being a depressed sports fan because uh, sure, the sure. Islanders have been terrible. But yeah, the Knicks. I mean, I grew up; they were okay. You know, making the playoffs, but Jordan beat him every year. So yeah, it was tough. No one got through Pistons yeah. too. We had that for a couple two two wins, and then Jordan really developed, and that was it. That was all she wrote. <laughs> uh, while we're going down memory lane a little bit, what else can you yeah. I guess tell us? Like, are there any uh, six degrees of GNR bacon that you have? Did you have you met any of the band members? Did you have you gone to when you were younger? Did you go to concerts? I mean, sure, I, I know I probably met a bunch. You know, Pat, one-on-one conversations, not so much. Sure. You know, I mean, there's always a respect thing. I grew up, you know, respecting the elders and they, they've been around for so long. I try not to, you know, do the, I'm not real good at the fanboy thing, you know, I just, I'm, you know, I'm too good at it. Of, I'm too good at it. I'm sorry, Lee, if I'm fanboy. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. I just, I, I, like I said, I love, I, I'm one of those more nostalgic guys that even when I see him and even, uh, even Motley Crue, who I loved growing up as well, that, that like, I, I, I just, I get more excited about seeing them play on stage. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's cool seeing them walking out, but then I'm always like, you know, even growing up with all the Kid Rock camp in Detroit, you know, I remember in the early days, it's like all I had to say to Kid Rock was like, dude, bow to the wow to bang. I love your song, bro. And, you know, now, now it is, you know, I get a lot of fans that say that to me. So I try to be more compassionate because a lot of times that's the only link you have with them. You yeah. know, like that's yeah. the only thing. What am I going to say? You know, how much I... I love how much you, you really helped me, you know, when I was in my youth and, yeah. and uh, so, yeah, but it, all those things are great to say. If you get a chance to meet your, 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 your favorite musicians, don't get me wrong if you're listening uh, back at home. But for me, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a little different. And sometimes, you know, anytime Guns N' Roses is around, it's usually a lot of security. So again, we just, as other bands playing, we try to not, not upset those security guys because we know how hard they work to try to keep everyone safe. So, Oh, sure. But, um, yeah, a lot of cool memories. A lot, a lot of cool memories with those guys just over the years, just in passing. But as far as one crazy story, one, I don't have nothing really abnormal, just all normal stuff. Have you, like, when you were younger, uh, play any of their music? Did you learn anything, any of their songs? Like, you know, a young Lee singing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sweet, sweet child of mine. Okay. And, 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 and patience, of course. I, I sucked at whistling. So my, my old band <laughs> members back in the day would be like, we can't do patience. I'm like, yeah, we can. I can't We whistle. can just skip the whistling. It's fine. You know, I'll just see singers. <laughs> they're like, no, dude, you can't do patience without the whistle. You know, so uh, it's all. And I remember joking with uh, with Tyler from Theory of a Dead Man, you know, because he whistles in uh, one of his recent hits, you know. And yeah. I'm like, how do you whistle so damn good? Can you just teach me your skills? You know, he's joking. He's like, no, no, you got to be born with it. So I'm like, typical Tyler, you won't, you won't teach me the secret. So it's, uh, yeah, I got it. We, we, we definitely cover some of that. Welcome to the jungle. Of course we covered that in our cover days. And, and those were always the fun songs that whenever you play that, like even any like grandma and grandpa in a cover bar or, 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 or person that you would never think would dance or get up. You always, when you play a song or guns and roses cover of any kind, you get people from all walks of life that make it to the dance floor and they're always got their horns up and you're like, Oh, okay. So this is the language you speak. So I always, I always, when I think about guns and roses, I always think about that way back in my head that like, it's one of those magical bands and magical songs when you play them that everybody comes and gets involved. So it's a, it's a, you know, every, every musician, dream to write a song or or to have a career even you know one percent of a guns and roses type career where you could at least taste some of those fruits that they've been able to enjoy i said that when i started this uh podcast when my, my former co-host still current friend suggested doing a gnr theme podcast i'm like that's stupid you know at first a little yeah, did yeah. i know you know all these uh years later and all these uh rockstar interviews later but 
I always went with, yeah, they're the, yeah, they're my favorite band, but yeah, I could talk to a young kid or a cheerleader in high school or an old dude, biker dude, and they all, you know, all going to love Sweet Child of Mine, all going to love Welcome Absolutely. to the Jungle. Absolutely. Uh, one last nostalgic question before we just finish up with the new record, because uh, yeah. you mentioned Motley Crue. How was yeah. uh, the experience with, because I know it was a while ago that Boss's Daughter came out, but I know I'm yeah. excited for Mick Mars' uh, his, what, his solo debut album is, is going to come out at, at some point. So I can't wait. Yeah, he's going to be in the news soon. So if you can talk about your experience with with Mick yeah, and, 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 and recruiting him for that song. Yeah, it was at a it was at a really pivotal time in our career, right? Second album. Um, we still, you know, we, we had 155 came out, right? That was a big one, and then Hero was up the first record. So this was a very interesting album. You know, this is like I think we had just upstreamed the album too to Universal at the time, so it was a big major label deal for this album. And, and, and it was kind of like that, that childhood dream, right. Thinking back, like, this is it. Like, this is now, you know, we, we, a lot of us quit our main jobs. I mean, pop evil's always been my main job, but you know, I always help my, whenever you can scrounge up, make money on the side, you know, but that, that album, we all pretty much were able to quit at all that. And just, we, we knew we were going to commit to living on the road, you know? And uh, so I remember we get a call and, 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 you know, the, the publishing companies were like, who's your dream, who dream people to work with? And I'm sure, you know, Axel would have been on that list. And of course, Mick Mars, you know, with the guitar ability of his and, and got back that Mick was interested. And of course we're like, well, and it actually came in the fourth quarter. Right. So if the album was pretty much done uh, towards the end of it, it was like, Oh, we're going to, you know, mix down to write a couple songs. And I'm like, I remember I was writing monster. You made that day. Mm which ended up being a, a big song for us as well. Yeah. And I was doing some vocal stuff, finishing up vocals on that track in a, in a different place in Malibu. And then I ended up driving with my, my I dropped my guitar player off at Mick's mansion up there in the hills. And uh, remember, it took about, it took so long. And I get really, I get really uh, seasick, easy going in circles, you know? So I remember going up to his house ready to puke. So finally, I'm just like, all right, Tony, I'm going to leave you off, try to make the trek down the hill back to the studio, you know? So um, I remember getting there, you know, and, and uh, again, they didn't write words. So I'm a big guy that, uh, that I can really hear a song finished once I know what the concept is. You know, sometimes hearing just a dope riff, it's like, okay, I love it, but where are we going to go with it? You know, I'm, I'm built like a singer and you know? I'm built like a, a writer, you know? So, so I remember getting up there and Mick was, you know, jamming out to the riff. And he was just so excited, but he's like, oh, this is just badass. You know, this is so dope. And I remember it being very hot that day in his studio. And uh, cause he had offered me some uh, Hershey kisses in a cup. All that shit was melted. It was all melted. So I was like, oh, I'd love a Hershey kiss. You know, I was starving that day in the studio. A lot of musicians could probably relate. You're so excited when you do music that you're not really thinking about eating. So, I mean, I remember being hungry and uh, all the the chocolate was melted that day. So I was like, oh, man, come on, man. Like, you don't got anything in your fridge? She's like, no, sorry. So we were were laughing about that. And then uh, he was, uh, he just really into this riff. And I remember being like, wow, that's amazing. And I remember his foot on the foot pedal and just thinking to myself, like, wow, you know, that little, that little uh, 13-year-old version of yourself comes out and you're like, man, you know, you're sitting in like a studio with Mick, like literally, literally rubbing elbows with him, you know, and, and looking at his feet while he's on his whammy, just doing what Mick does, you know, and uh, just was an awesome experience. And then um, when we got done, I remember thinking, uh, I think that first night, like, I don't know if I had some writer's block or something like I couldn't, I'm like, there's not a song here. I remember saying to my managers, they're like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, it's good news, bad news. It's amazing riff. I have no idea. I don't have anything for it. 
you know, so we'll have to wait till next record. Hmm. And they're like, are you serious? You know? And I remember that next morning, I think I just needed a night of sleep. The next morning I wrote boss's daughter in 20 minutes when I woke up and there it was, you know what I mean? But I think the, the crazy story too, about it all that I really remember the most is the music video. Cause the music video at the time, you know, we weren't as close with E1 had just spent a lot of money on us. So they didn't want to spend on the music video. And Mick Mars had said he'd do the music video pretty much for free. Like he just wanted to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, when you leave, when you think about leaving your legacy for your kids or your, your, gen, your next generation of family, you want them, they're never going to, I'm thinking, I'm always thinking like a grandpa, right? I'm always like, <laughs> all right, but what about the next generation? They're going to be like, Oh, remember great grandpa? He played with Mick Mars. They're going to be like, no, he didn't. No, we did. Cause look at the damn video that's still there on YouTube or whatever platform. You whatever, so right. I remember joking with management about that. And they were like, well, I don't know what, what, what you want to do about it. And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'll pay for it out of my own pocket. So I funded that video out of my own pocket. Wow. It was one of the dopest experiences I remember. And, uh, and the label, everyone was stoked. I mean, they sense all, everyone all you know, hooked up. I mean, I think I get more on that particular video now. Cause I, cause I invested in it, but it was, it was all worth it. Right. It was all yeah. it showed that the label and the managers and the band that we were all a team and we were all going to dial it in. And to this day, one of the most fun videos, you know, I mean, uh, it was just incredible. And Mick just had a blast. I mean, he stayed there till the end. He answered all the questions. I'm not with us all day. And just, just a great human being. And again, like when you, and you know, you've met a lot of people in this business too. You know, when we think about the greatness of the celebrity of any musician that we've grown up idolizing or love, you know, you think about them just musically, but when you actually meet somebody and they're cool or which is so cool about the modern day rock era, how meet and greets are such a pivotal thing about how, how bands create revenue for their band members and, and for, for their, for their, for the band itself. So, you know, now when you actually meet, you know, these musical celebrities, you know, and love, it's so cool to just think about, again, that human element. Uh, and again, why I wanted to do that interview early on and tell them about how lucky, yeah, for, for most of us, we had to get new jobs, man. How about that? You know, you want me to sit here and tell you about how much millions we're rolling in? Well, that doesn't exist. We don't have any extra money this year because we didn't play the year. And this band and us as band members, we're very blue collar, man. It's all about it's all about working. That's all we knew. That's all our parents knew what to do. I mean, even if we had bazillions, I mean, we'd still have to get new jobs. We can't sit around. That's just, again, those are the kind of guys it's, it's, and if you look about it from a state perspective, uh, from American perspective, that's Michigan, man. Like that, that's how they grind. And, and, and I, once a, a great question that was asked to me that really changed how I think about interviews was like, you think Michigan had an influence in who you are and the way you write. And I was like, God, I never, I guess I never really thought about that, but very much so, you know, and you talk about even my guns and roses, is, um, even though Guns N' Roses was up there, but but I think about some of those bands that really made a difference for me. Obviously, Guns N' Roses when I was 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 around when I was a kid. You know what I mean? So when Guns N' Roses and Bartman was around, I, <laughs> I, I was just thinking about playing for the Pistons or something. I don't sure. even, I was thinking about probably you know just trying to you know get a swimming pool in my backyard or something. Yeah, no, me too. That, I'm, but, but, I'm 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 37, so I got into it a little yeah. you know later. So I'm the same way. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but I think about those bands that like where I really knew, you know, that changed the game for me was, was Kid Rock and Eminem because they were so Michigan proud and everything about Michigan for us in those early days was we hated it. We wanted to get out of here. You know, so when those two artists came through and they were really like proud to be from Michigan, it was like, OK, OK, cool. You know, like I don't need to move because a big thing for us and for me, especially in those early days, because there was no real 
Michigan musical influence here. You know, I'm from Western Michigan too. So I'm three hours away from Detroit. So it was, you know, everything about me succeeding in the business was about me moving to New York, LA, or at least Detroit. And I didn't want to move, you know? So I think those artists really gave me the strength of compass to just stay where I was and just keep grinding. So did you grow up watching uh, total request live because Eminem Absolutely. and yeah. uh, Kid Rock yeah. were always on with Carson Daly. So is that what you thought New York was, was just people screaming outside I windows? Did. I did. You know, and it's crazy. <laughs> Yes. I went to New York. I went to New York. Yes. Right? This is a great story. This okay. is a cool story. I've never told anybody this. Nice. Other than my family. You're like, okay, this is the Prescott era, right? Because again, I'm from Western Michigan. I have nobody teaching. You know, I, I started my own record label. Again, I'm a kid, you know, and I'm like, okay, at least I, I, I had some very uh, business, uh, some very interesting business skills early though. Like I was all about pushing one song. And spending my money on it, song, making a music video and putting the press kits up. And then I was like, okay, now we're going to go to New York and we're going to hustle it. You know, you heard about the dream situation where, you know, corn gives a press kit or something to Limp Bizkit or, you know what I mean? Oh no, by the way around. No, it was stained or something like that. I yes. can't remember now. Okay. And, and, and to corn and whatever. And then they, uh, you know, they, they lift them up and then next thing you know, they got found. Right. So I remember making these press kits and, uh, you know, one of my first times at Times Square, and there's the Viacom building, you know, and you can see Total Request. There's there's uh, Total Request MTVs right up there. You can literally look up and see it. And of course, there's the Naked Cowboy right below me at the moment. So if you're in New York, you know what I'm talking about. Still doing then, uh, it. So you know, still doing uh, it. Um, all all the nostalgia, you know. Just did Cats Deli before it. Yeah. So we're all. <laughs> don't even get me started. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're, we're we're doing all the the New York stuff, and I'm like, okay, we'll do it tomorrow, man. I'm real nervous. We'll do it tomorrow. We're gonna go in the Viacom building. We're gonna go drop off a press kit. Just random, total random. And I remember going up the Viacom building, and they if you if you've been in, it's got that huge escalator going up, you know. And this was, of course, before before nine eleven. Yeah. But there was still the security downstairs before you get to actually go. And of course, now I've been to MTV, so I remember there's the uh, the security there before you actually get to the elevators, and they're like, "Can I help you?" And I'm like, "No, I'm good." And I just turned around. <laughs> And uh, I didn't end up doing it. I didn't have the balls to do it. You know, I was like, this is a waste of my time. This is never going to be found, you know? So I remember leaving that, that would have been, what year would that have been? That would have been probably 2000. It was probably just before, you know, before uh, um, 9-11. And then um, literally, you know, uh, I thought, you know, I'd leave back a little depressed and of course, you know, uh, a little broken thinking, oh, this will never happen for me. And literally, you know, seven years later, we get the deal and I'm up there doing, I'm doing interviews at MTV. So it was amazing. uh, it was just, it's a cool moment, you know, for, for that childhood chase or that, that grind, you know, cause you always heard about that hustle and, and it was very, it was very Detroit mentality for me. I'm just going to go do it myself. I'm going to go to New York and just, I'll find somebody, you know? And uh, <laughs> right. so it's a, uh, it, it might not be, it might not come off as cool, but for me, it was very, uh, it was very, uh, it was a very big moment for me to, to be where I'm at now, you know? It's, it's also reminded me of that movie Airheads, if you recall. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah for sure. <laughs> but thankfully, uh, you just turned around instead of holding up Viacom with water guns. That would have been a different. <laughs> you you might yeah. have been famous, I guess, but for different reasons, uh, I suppose. Uh, so just to think about that moment, which still obviously sticks with you, and then yeah. your sixth album coming out uh, May 21st. So Versatile, is there one specific thing that you're excited for fans 
to that you can't wait for them uh, you know uh, whether it's an artwork whether it's a specific song yeah, yeah i mean there's there's probably there's lots i don't think there's one specific you know obviously we're excited for them to see the artwork right. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into our our visual components of pop evil you know when you have a band name like pop evil i mean it, we wanted that name because we knew it would stir emotion right we didn't want a safe name you know and without saying other band names that are maybe safer. And we just, we wanted to just aim it on ourselves, you know, and I needed that motivation to get me up in the morning. That was like, you know, to be that crusader for rock, to remind people that, you know, how can we be a country that prides itself in freedom of speech, but somehow people that speak the language of rock and metal, our voice metals matters just a little bit less, you know? So again, I was always a little, I had that blue collar Michigan chip on my shoulders since, you know, I was born, you know? So it's like kind of getting that out, but I'm definitely, excited to play these songs for um the first time and them already being hits you know that's a different dynamic you know like you know these songs have already connected with people before we've been able to even play them you know so i'm definitely i think the most excited to share in the songs with the band live because that's the moment you can really see the smiles and the faces or the tears or the joy and the horns um so that i think is the is and and, you know and and to be honest i mean it sounds cheesy but i'm excited to see, see the band members you know i mean even all the even though we're all pretty close we don't we don't fight often anyways, but it's, it's just kind of, you know, until you realize when they're gone, it's like, oh, I miss that madness or that controlled chaos that is all of us and all our, you know, uh, all our, you know, what is it? Uh, high, uh, high maintenance, like the wants and needs, you know, that quirks. are band members, hey, we, you know, being on the bus today, we got to park, we, we got to park over here because the TV won't work or whatever <laughs> it is. I miss all that, that, uh, that drama that is perfect for what, who we are as a band and, 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 and team, you know, so I kind of miss all that um, excitement. And then, uh, and, and then of course, any, anyone will tell you that being in a band, there's no, it, it stages, right. And there's no better stage of, of a touring artist than when your album comes out. Cause then it's all new and fresh. Right. You know, I, I always say, at least for me, the end of the album cycle is always the most grueling, right. Cause you're beat up, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're sick of all kinds of things. So you're ready to really go in and write a new record usually when you're ready to write, but now it's just, it's 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 the new chapter for the band, a new album, sixth album, um, coming off a pandemic too. I mean, how how if you if you can't be motivated for that, I mean, geez, I don't know what else we'd have to go through, you know. So in a ways, we've all been survivors in a way, you know. And as a genre, to get back and survive some of the scariest times of our lives this past year, so you know, to get back now and do the things we love and, and have music there. It's definitely, I think, the thing I'm most excited. And I'm certainly, once this is all calmed down, I'm going to make a point to go to way more concerts because there are too many artists that I had the opportunity to see and I didn't, including Pop Evil, that I have yet to experience you live. So I can't wait to see Pop Evil live, to play the classics, to play this new stuff that is already successful. And to hopefully meet you because you're you're really cool and down to earth, and you are uh, as, as advertised. Pop Evil, uh, one of my favorite uh, bands of the last ten plus years. You're definitely one of my favorite uh, singers, voices of the last ten plus years. So just continue success and just keep doing what you're doing, uh, even if you need another job. I understand that plight. That's okay. No shame in that. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It's very flattering, and you just it's just a credit that we just have to keep grinding, you know and keep putting out good music that helps people. I mean, that, that's, that's the goal, right? You got to figure out in life what, what it is, what's your motive, what's your end result. And the end result is to put out music, man, can make a difference. You know, one person's life, you know, obviously you want to, you want to make it a positive influence in as many as possible around the world and, and just leave your mark, man. And as long as we can just stay healthy, continue to do that, then, uh, you know, let the cards fall where they may. Awesome. I hope we get to do this again, Lee. 
Yeah, hopefully we do it in person too, man, when we finally get to meet. I yeah, love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Well, it's been an honor to meet you. Great interview. I look forward then to seeing you hopefully in this year on stage somewhere. It'd be great. Right on. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks again for hanging out on this Guns N' Roses themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast where we look at life through Guns N' Roses colored glasses. And thanks to those of you who have already submitted questions to Doug Goldstein's upcoming book. So if you haven't heard yet, yes, uh, Doug Goldstein and I are working on his autobiography. And if you want to submit a question, a topic, anything you want to discuss for us to discuss in the book, yeah, we're approaching this really differently. We're getting you, the fan, the listener, involved. Just shoot me an email at theafdshow at gmail.com, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and already a big point of uh, the book is not only going to be Doug's uh, upbringing and how that prepared him for life with Guns N' Roses, but the day that the contract was signed, the contract we Guns N' Roses fans know when Slash and Duff signed over the name to Axel, giving Axel sole ownership of Guns N' Roses, the name. Doug is going to talk about what really happened in the book. He actually has spoken about it. I have it down. You're just not going to read it for a while. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to tease it like that, but Doug and I are are not just invested in the story, on his story but in having you be involved. So if you have a question, like I said, or perhaps like a picture of Doug, who knows? You know, you there are a lot of photos out there that, you know, perhaps they, it was not the time of the internet, so perhaps you have some cool GNR photos in your collection that you have just not put on the internet and you want to be in this book, you think it would pertain, send an email and you will get your name in the book. Not just, yeah, thank you, of course, but we'll put your name in the book. We want this to be our book. It's Doug's story, but it's going to be our book. I like that. I'm going to end there. <laughs> as far as the podcast is concerned, uh, what is the next episode going to contain? Who's next guest going to be? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. security, I'm going home.